You're listening to What the H, a fantasy hockey podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number two of your fantasy hockey podcast, What the H. I'm Corey Bastain. And I'm Eric Iacute. After the first four games of round one, how is the playoff picture shaping up and what can we expect for the rest of round one? In today's episode, we review how our brackets are looking, what surprised us so far, and we take a look back at some of the best plays you'll want to rewatch. We will also be introducing some new segments to our podcast, so stick around. The puck is about to drop on this episode two. Oh man, what a crazy first four games! Just yeah, who who would have thought some of the series would be as close as they are, and some series like, are already done. Yeah, like eight 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 series, right? And you have one sweep. We'll talk about one three to one. And the rest are all tied up at two. So they're you have essentially you have six best of three series. So that's some exciting hockey. How have you found the games for entertainment? I think everyone likes to see a blowout. So I think there's been a ton of goals scored. Yeah. Like just looking at it, you know, there are multiple seven goal games by multiple teams, right? Like it's just absolutely insane. And then you have some big shutouts. And so uh, I think overall the entertainment for myself, I, I have been thoroughly entertained. Some highlight reel saves, some highlight reel uh, goals, and we'll get to that. But um, overall, oh, this is great entertainment. Great time of year. That's what hockey fans want to see. Goals right. being scored. Goals being scored. That's what it's all about. Although on that topic, it's amazing to see the goal scorers who are not scoring. Right. And I think we'll, we'll talk about that as we break down some of the some of the uh, matchups so far, but yeah, there's some, some goal scores that really seem to dry up some, some, there've been some solid defense uh, efforts, defensive efforts, despite the fact there've been so many goals scored. So, all right. So uh, that brings us to a new uh, segment in our podcast, our power play topic. So in our power play topic, how this is going to work is uh, we get two minutes discuss something something relative to what we're seeing going on in the league um this week with uh, after the first four games of the playoffs we thought it'd be interesting to just do a quick uh quick discussion on the physicality in the playoffs and particularly we're going to look at two plays and uh that happened uh same game and we're going to discuss what we think of this so physicality versus just dirty plays plain old dirty plays so the first one that ended up being an injury, which, you know, we're never happy to see someone get injured, regardless of who they play for, or even the player themselves, you know, um, Sveshnikov on Lynn home. That was a clean textbook hit, but it was mean. <laughs> and it took him out, it took out a, very, a stud defenseman for the boss. Yeah. Was you, that? You... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you feel go for him because he couldn't even walk off the ice. 
he uh yeah Almer came over and he like collapsed in his arms and it's like oh man he got rocked yeah that was a super super heavy hit so clean or dirty is that just physical play playoff play or is that a little dirty what do you think like you said it was an aggressive play but i think it was definitely a clean hit he uh that was shoulder to body he didn't jump up into him it was just Sveshnikov is a as a heavy player, and you know, I guess Lindholm didn't have his head up or wasn't aware of him, and it was a clean hit, but you know, it knocked him out of the series. So we'll see if he comes back. But you know, you feel for him the way he can he couldn't get off the ice there. He needed needed his help of his teammates. Yeah, and you think you think too of uh, years of playing for the Ducks. And no disrespect to the organization, but obviously not, you know, a uh, playoff caliber team the past few years. Gets traded to the Boston Bruins, obviously excited to be in the playoffs to do some damage there and just totally gets rocked and taken out. But, um, yeah, like you said, keep your head up. I, th- I thought it was a clean hit, but uh, definitely sad to see uh, any player get injured, that's for sure. Okay, so we have that play, and now we're going to compare it to – the Pasternak, and if you could see me, I'm putting air quotes, the hit, the the accidental contact with Ranta. And you had their uh, their coach after, be like, well, it's David Pasternak. I'm like, yeah, but you're the Boston Bruins. And everyone knows you're all dirty. So, so we know your view of this hit. <laughs> you know what? Everyone kept talking about his feet and how, you know, his feet got cut up and you see the way – when you don't look at his lower half and you look up his top half, top half, and you look specifically at his his arms and his hands, to me, and I'm not calling him dirty by any means. I think David Pasnak is a brilliant player. He's super exciting to watch, and that whole perfection line. As much as you know, as a Leafs fan, I hate that line. I have so much respect for the line. I really do. Even with Brad Marchand, because they know what they're doing and they play their game. They play it well. But when you, in that in that play, in that replay, when you watch his hands come up, to me, it looks like he extended them not to actually clock Ranta in the head, but to make contact with Ranta's head. You know what? And he knows, everyone knows Ranta has, uh, you know, is an injury-prone player. They already have Freddie Anderson out. And I, it, to me, it looked, they passed, they took the opportunity. And when you know what? I might be able to at least get in his head. And instead, he, like, almost broke the guy's jaw. So, to me, that was dirty. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, I think he made a very solid argument. I don't think he intended to injure him, but I definitely don't think he tried to get out of the way. It was a hard drive to the net. He didn't try to avoid him. But I don't think he, uh, you know, he wanted to knock him out of the series. But, um he made some very solid points in terms of uh, he should have been able to avoid that, that, that contact. And like you said, with the hands or stick, like making contact with the head, it's a, a guy that has been injury prone and that's their second goalie, right? That's their, you know, that's not uh, Anderson is already out of the, out of the picture. That's their second goalie. Um, you know, the goalies have to be, be protected. So mm-hmm. I'll agree with you on that one. But you're right. I think because it wasn't intentional, like Pasternak did not did not drive the net. 
with the intent of hitting Ranta by any means. I don't think that was, you know, a preconceived idea. Um, and that's probably why it went from a major penalty down to a, just a, a typical two minute power play. But um, yeah, I just, and then you see what Marchand did, did like not long after that with their third stringer, whacking him in the arm with the stick. Sure. He's given Marchand lip and, but you know, for someone like Marchand's caliber of veteran and, and pest himself, you know, it just, just shows the mentality. And it's, I don't know, man, not a fan. And my, my, maybe because of my history as a Leafs fan, but not a fan. Uh, that was dirty, in my opinion. I do know you don't like the Boston Bruins. <laughs> yeah, if you couldn't tell. If you couldn't tell. So uh, shall we get started at uh, the obvious one, the sweep? The one lone sweep. And I cannot believe we did not call this. Right? No, the powerhouse avalanche. <laughs> Without their top goalie, or without Nashville's top goalie, um, I think that was really sealed their deal. I think if Saros was in, they they might have been able to get a game or two if he stole one. But, uh, yeah, the fact that Colorado has swept them in four, they too much to, to handle. And, like, other than game two, they're all pretty decisive wins, mm-hmm. right? You have 7-2, 7-3, and 5-3. So the only time Nashville had held uh, Colorado to just a pair, they only scored one goal themselves, so they still lost the game. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think you're right. I think yeah, Saros's net it may have been different, but when you look at the numbers, you know, I think when you, when it comes down to like Colorado outscored them by twelve across the four games, twelve goals. Like that's so hard to win a series if you're going to be outscored by twelve goals. And when you look at the, uh, especially the special teams, like Colorado was seven for 16, which doesn't sound impressive, but that's 44%. And so if you give a team like Colorado 16 opportunities to score on you, you should be happy that they only scored on you seven times. Yeah. Right. But they just have so much firepower. And it just, like Nathan McKinnon is just playing on another level. He's really, you know, accelerated his game. Now, there was questions going in. Will he be able to kind of take that step in the playoffs and really lead his team? And you just see the plays he's making. You see McCarr. We'll talk a little bit later about some of the plays McCarr is making. It's just, it's super entertaining to watch these guys just shoot around, pass around the puck, and it's going to be really tough for a team to beat them four times. Oh, for sure. Yeah, four, four wins. That's going to be difficult. But I think even referring to our last podcast, uh, Kadri, like you can't, like he may have not produced all that much. I think he had a few points there in the, in the four games. But the big thing for him that we talked about before is his discipline. Like he didn't really do anything stupid. He didn't cause any drama. He didn't get suspended. Right. So when you can, when you can, uh, your top six stays complete, right. And stays as a unit in the entire series. I mean, that's just to add a bonus, right? Like, that was one thing when Kadri was with, with Leafs, right? Every year he got suspended and they had to reshuffle all lines. And not that that's an excuse by any means, but you lose the chemistry. You lose your depth. You lose your – your the entire system falls apart when, you know, your number two center gets suspended for five games in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like, how are you supposed to keep, maintain, right? Yeah, that that's uh, – he's – made a big difference. And I think in game one, 
Nashville was, was trying to get him going. And, you know, he kind of just kept his cool and you can see he's, you know, he'll, he'll still get in the scrums and stuff, but he's uh, got his mind set on making sure he stays effective throughout the series in the playoffs. So, yeah, no, that was, uh, that's big, big for uh, Colorado. And another thing that's going to be big for Colorado going into round two, not only now do they get a bunch of rest, but Darcy Kemper apparently could return soon. And so that will be absolutely huge. I came out today, earlier today, that uh, he'll likely be available for round two. So not only now is, you know, Colorado's top guns firing at all cylinders. Now you're having their best backstopper coming back and uh, could possibly make an appearance there in round two. And that was a scary uh, situation for them. It's a scary play. You know, it's not often we see, you know, a goalie get clipped in the in the eyes, um, which is glad he's okay. And, you know, like you said, I think they just said it was a bit of swelling and he'll be fine to to go forward. And they won in four, so they'll have a, a good rest period between the, the next round there. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it definitely could have been a lot, a lot worse than it. It looked like I, I personally, when I saw that man, I thought he, I thought he lost his eye, like the way he was rolling on the ice. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like injury of the decade almost. Right. But he uh, forged enough. Uh, not so. Not so. Yeah, those um, uh, somebody made the comment is like a, they thought they scooped out his eye. And I just that mental picture just made me cringe. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, but he should be brutal. good to go. Brutal. So yeah, Colorado gets a nice rest now, and uh, we'll see who they match up against. Which takes us to the ne- that next matchup: Minnesota and the Blues. Um, you know, fairly even even across the board. Even when you look at total shots on goal, total goals. Um, you know, they're fairly even, but except when you get down to the n- the nitty gritty details, like the power play percentage um like your hits like the blues are really out hitting minnesota and yet they're maintaining minnesota's maintaining their their power play is not doing that great two for 17 um but they're still scoring if you know six two five one through those two separate games so they're not backing down without a fight yeah one thing i found in all the series as a whole is it's it hasn't been super tight games right to the end They've been, uh, you know, fairly one-sided. A team gets a, a lead at the beginning, and I think playoffs, you know, obviously more than the regular season, the, the teams that you know score the first goal and uh, or you know lead going into the third really have a high chance of, of coming out with a win. So um, you've really seen a little bit of lopsided scores, you know, five-two, seven-two, some pretty high-scoring games, but more to one side of the teams. And I think as the playoffs go along that uh, things will kind of even out, there'll maybe be a little less power plays. There's been quite a few of those throughout the first round so far. So I think as things go on, the games will get a little tighter and a less, you know, one side as we've seen some of the scores be. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, that's kind of been a theme of the first round is the theme of it's the round of blowouts. Like, it seems like every other game, someone's getting blown out. And then the very next game, they blow out their opponent. So 
I mean, like we talked about earlier, it's always nice for the fans. They love seeing goals scored, but uh, I think you're right. I think, you know, defensively, teams start tightening up as uh, the rounds continue, as the games continue, as they start to have more and more meaning. Games five, six, and seven, uh, these are these are important, important events. And so uh, that defense is going to have to tighten right up for a lot of these teams. Yeah, especially being in some Canadian cities, you know, those, those uh, blowout games, when your team gets blown out, it just like the sky is falling. And then, you know, when your team has a dominant victory, it's like, okay, here we go to the cup. So oh, yeah. it's uh, a lot of emotions going on. Yeah. Every game is a championship hoisting the cup to, oh no, we're going to be out. We're done. It's all <laughs> we're over. being swept. Yeah. We're being swept. Oh man. And yeah. Uh, speaking of Canadian teams, Calgary, Dallas, like talk about low scoring. That's the, the only the only series that really you haven't seen that many goals in general. You have two shutouts back to back, one for each team. And otherwise, you know, it's fairly it's a very quiet series, other than of course the drama. Jamie Ben, Matthew Kachuk, John Klingberg. And I think uh Dallas for games two and three, they really figured out how to dismantle Calgary and how to dismantle that top line that has been such a big threat all season is just taking Kachuk out of the, out of the equation, right? Like get him, get his emotions going and you love the fire, but he does far more damage if he's actually scoring. And, you know, in the next, next regular season, your first game, then sure, you know, pound the lights out of everybody. But right now, just, just focus on your offense. Yeah. I think we've seen that a little bit more in game four. Um, he had uh, a point Absolutely. there and they, I think they must've had a talk with him. Like we love the emotion. We, this is playoff hockey. We want the emotion there, but you know, you're, you're one of our top players. We need you to perform right now. We're down in the series. We got to get back in this and, and get going. And, you know, they had a pretty clear victory last night four one. So um, I think their Calgary will be, doing just fine. But uh, Markstrom, like Dallas, I was watching part of the game at the start of the third period, had a really solid push. And Markstrom just made some, you know, pretty amazing saves. They were on a couple of power plays. And one of the power plays, Calgary had more shots on goal than Dallas did. So, you know, as, a, as their penalty kill. So it was a pretty dominant victory last night. We'll see, uh, you know, there's no momentum game from game for the most part. But we'll see uh, as the series goes on if Calgary can come out on top or, you know, if Dallas can continue to play solid defensively and have their young goalie as their first star. Yeah, I think as long as the scoring is low, I definitely think that gives the advantage to Dallas. As long as low-scoring games is more defensive, uh, for sure. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think they talked to Kachuk and said, look, man, just, just, you know, calm down. But that's interesting. If Calgary does go on – do other teams try to pick that up? You know, look at Dallas and you think of some of the best uh, pests in the league and no one on Dallas really, really comes to mind. Like there's always chirping, you know, you heard Ben chirping, chirping him uh, there on the ice and when he was on the bench there. But when you think of pests, you know, Brad Marchand, uh, Bunting and so many others, right? Like Dallas doesn't really have any. So if you get, if Calgary faces a team with a really good pest, you know, they could face the Oilers next. And if you see Vander Kane, if he gets Kachuk going and just totally distracts him, that could be a recipe for disaster for Calgary going forward. So I think Dallas kind of shone the light on uh, 
you know, a potential flaw there on the Calgary team. Yeah, I'm sure other teams will be taking note. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right, then you got uh, Edmonton and L.A. Have you felt watching the back and forth of this series? I think many people are describing it as a missed opportunity in game four. Edmonton could have really put it to, to L.A. They, they were not looking good game two and three. Um, obviously, you know, they have some pretty solid players as well. Um, so they weren't, you know, going to go down quietly. But, uh, yeah, I think Edmonton came out pretty flat. They weren't uh, – they didn't have a lot of jump like they did in game two and three. And L.A. got the first goal, got the second goal, and then just kind of played a defensive game. I think that's their style is to sit back, wait for, you know, Edmonton to make a mistake, make a bad pinch, and then, you know, they, they wait for chances like that as opposed to – you know, trying to play a run-and-gun style of uh, taking too many chances and leaving their goalie out to dry. So I think Edmonton's still in, in pretty good shape. I'm, I'm pretty confident they'll, they'll come out with a, a victory tonight. They're a great bounce-back team. They rarely lose two in a row, So especially with Jay Woodcroft as uh, their coach since February. Um, they're really good at after a loss coming back with a strong performance. So I think they'll be, they'll be all right, but uh, yeah, it's Hold been a, hope. a close series. Hold no that hope, Eric. <laughs> oh, I have to, I have to, they've <laughs> just looked so good. And then, you know, they have a, a stinker getting beat five, five, nothing the other night was, was hard to, hard to watch, but. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the more McDavid we can have in the playoffs and dry side, the more McDavid you can have is always better. I think for the league, for uh, the marketability, when you have the best player in the league playing in the playoffs, you know, that's always a good thing, but that's always been a concern, right? Even the, during the regular season, like uh, when you, when you look at consistency, right? Like when you have a fantasy team, you know, guys like McDavid and dry are are given, you always want to have those guys on your team and, and you, you never turn them down. But when you look at the week to week stats, right, this series, I think really highlights the inconsistency that when they're on, they're on, they score six goals then they score eight goals, the lone team to score eight goals so far in the first round in a single game. And then the very next game, you don't get a single goal. Like it just kind of shows, right, the, the inconsistency that you have, yes, the best players in the world, but they have to, and the team, not just not just those two, but the entire team has to put it together consistently every night for there really to be a, a good, solid, deep push. I think you're right. I think Edmonton will still come out on top, but uh, I could definitely see LA pushing this to seven. You know, I was thinking six maybe, but now I'm like, I don't know. I think Philip Deneau, one of the most underrated defensive forwards, in the league, right? Yeah, he's he frustrating. Time, time again, he's so frustrating. So and frustrating. he, they have some. He has. He's playing with a couple of young wingers, and I follow, and uh, Trevor Moore, and these guys can shoot the puck. They're fast. So when Edmonton does break down, you know they those guys can get right up the ice, and they got hard shots, and you know they're putting in the net. So. If Edmonton continues to play their game, plays hard, four checks well, doesn't allow 
um, too many odd odd man chances. I think they'll they'll do okay. But you know, Dano and, and Kopitar, of course, are, are going to have their say in things and shutting the uh, those top players down, but also at the same time being able to produce offensively. So. That's right. You still need to score goals at the end of the day. You can, you know, play as defensive as you want, but if you don't score, you're not going to win. Um, okay, so Colorado, Nashville has decided. So we have three, three matchups remaining in the uh, in the West. Um, are you prepared to change any of your picks from what you've seen? Are you sticking with? Uh, I think it was the Blues, Calgary, and Edmonton, right? Yep. Yeah, I am feeling confident in in my picks. Uh, the East. Maybe a little bit more shaky, but I think that uh, Minnesota St. Louis series is going to be close. So we'll uh, we'll see if St. Louis can uh, the Blues can come out on top. I feel the same way about the Wild, man. I think uh, I'm liking what I see so far, and despite the fact of uh, the obvious uh, holes in Minnesota's game. Um, you know, you can't count out superstar Hall of Fame goalies. So, so I'm sticking with mine. Wild, Flames, and Oilers for sure. Okay, that brings us to another new uh, segment of our podcast. We're calling this one the five-minute major. Uh, we're just going to discuss for the next five, five minutes or so uh, news around the league. Uh, what's going on so far in the first four games? And uh, what has been possibly the uh, results of and, and effects of some of these um, events going on. So we're going to talk, focus in on three specific areas uh, in, this, in this week's podcast. Uh, suspensions, fines, and injuries. And especially the injuries part is probably the part that the, the one that means the most. Um, so far, as we talked about earlier, Kadri keeping a cool lid. And so we only have two suspensions, two suspensions so far. Kyle Clifford of the Toronto Maple Leafs missing uh, just one game, game two versus the Tampa Bay Lightning and Jared Spurgeon of the Minnesota Wild also missed game two against St. Louis. I don't feel well, Jared Spurgeon, you know, for Minnesota, I think that may have been um, a bigger loss than we would, would anticipate. He's a veteran player. He's got a voice, but Minnesota did come out to make uh, the win and their biggest win, 6-2 that game. So maybe not. I believe he's their captain. Yeah, for Minnesota. yeah I'm pretty sure he is. So, well. so it's um, obviously they don't want him out of the, the games for too many series, but um, like you said, they got the win. So I think it's definitely a bigger effect to have him out as opposed to uh, Toronto's player there. Uh, Clifford, yeah. Uh, Clifford. But, uh, you know. Well, it was only one game, though, for Spurgeon. It was only one game, and they did win it. He yeah. was back in game three. They won that one as well. So, again, like I said, maybe not that big of a deal. You know, it's not like you can't talk to the team. Definitely in between periods, he's there talking to them, getting them piped, uh, hyped up. Uh, Kyle Clifford, though, I think the only the only real thing that Charles was missing was the physicality. But at the end of the day, when you have Wayne Simmons taking stupid penalty, penalties anyways – do you really need another guy that's going to drop? That's just going to, you know, create more power plays for the other team? I don't think so. I would so like you to see like, Kyle... you like Spetsa in against the Tampa Bay Lightning. One hundred percent. Tampa Bay is yes, they are physical, 
but that's not what their game is. Their game is fast. Their game is high scoring, high octane, and the Leafs need to match that. And neither Wayne Simmons or Kyle Clifford bring that to the Leafs. Now, if they are facing the Boston Bruins, I would say, no, Spezza, sorry, no disrespect, but you're you're going to keep the bench warm, and I want Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons in my lineup. But in this series, in this situation, no, Kyle Clifford can ride the bench as long as I, as long as I have anything to do about it. <laughs> Not that I have anything to do with it, but sitting on uh, the pine, sitting on it, keeping it warm. We'll see you in see you in round two if we if we get there. So far, not so good. Uh, okay, so we have some fines as well. I always find fines for NHL players, really any professional athletes i find fines absolutely ridiculous because these guys make millions of dollars or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars and you know the biggest fine so far was brad marchand for that slash on and i'm not going to butcher the poor guy's name but carolina's third string goalie um was a five thousand dollar fine for slashing right what's five thousand dollars to brad marchand i always find those absolutely ridiculous um yeah it's chump change right exactly and then Pat Maroon, Corey Perry, Wayne Simmons all get uh, all get fines of equal value. Uh, no, sorry, Corey Perry got an extra two hundred fifty dollars, <laughs> so he his fine was twenty five hundred versus Pat Maroon and Wayne Simmons of twenty two fifty, all for unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, and I think all from that game too, right? When we see uh, saw them all chirping each other. And that's another reason, in my opinion, why I think Wayne Simmons should just stay, stay on the bench, right? Because you're not going to get his type of reaction that Corey Perry and Pat Maroon are looking for. You're not going to get that from Spezza. You're not going to get that from Matthews or Marner or Nylander. They're way too, you know, goal-oriented, stay out of the box. Where Simmons love the guy's passion. I think of all of the, the old-time veterans that they've brought on, other than maybe Jumbo Joe for the one year, his personality just brings so much energy to the room. But Wayne Simmons, I'm sorry for the rest of the series. You can you can warm the box seats. You can stay up there and, and watch the game as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think I agree with you. He uh, he took too many penalties that game, you know, ended up costing and him. Stupid it. penalties. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it wasn't sticking up for his guys. It was just penalties he shouldn't take at those key moments in the game. And, you know, I, last time I checked, Tampa had a pretty good power play. So you don't want to give those too many guys or those guys too many, too many free looks on the power play. And, and that's what he did. So, yeah. Yeah. Pal, penalties after the play. This is, we don't need that, man. We don't need, we don't need the help to lose a series. Toronto can do that just fine on their own. We don't need help in that matter. And then we have some injuries. Uh, a couple we've already talked about. Hempis Lindholm, Ranta Anta. Uh, anti-ranta <laughs> um those are two of the bigger ones i think have happened since the playoffs have started uh we have had a few people come back like jason sucker we talked about but free anderson still out um victor arvidson if he does come back which i don't think he's supposed to but if he does come back in this series that could spell very different outcome in my opinion in the la edmonton series being the pure goal scorer that Victor Arvidsson is. But uh, I don't believe he is uh, even projected to come back, um, at least not this series. Out again Tuesday, it says. Um, not expected to play against Oilers, so no real update there. Uh, so we'll see what happens tonight. Uh, if uh, Who takes it? Maybe they'll 
if LA goes down three to two, they might, you know, force his, his return a little bit earlier than later. Yeah, he's a he gets a key piece for LA that they can use those bit of extra scores because they've kind of been relying on on their uh, top line there of Deneau and Moore. So if they could get him back, you know, pair him with Kopitar. I'm not sure who centers Arvidsson, but he is a dangerous player when he's out there. Yeah, and like you said. You know, they're relying so much on the shutdown game that if they can get some goal scoring power back, that would be that'd be big for them um, going forward. Uh, Casey DeSmith, we know, is still out. Tristan Jari. And so we have good old Louis Deming, but apparently doesn't seem to be much of an issue. Pittsburgh seems to be rolling right on without him just fine. Um, Sammy Blais, I didn't I totally forgot that he actually uh, is on the Rangers now. And I feel like they could use, well, they could use as much help as they can get, pure and simple. But um, he's out too right now, so not looking too good and probably will not get a chance to play, I think, uh, this playoffs if the series continue to go the way it's going. Yeah, the New York um, is, looks like they're missing a few of those heavy hockey players that they traded for last year. They wanted to beef up their lineup a little bit. Looks like a lot of those guys are, are out of the lineup. That obviously has somewhat of an impact on, on their physical, physical presence on the ice against Pittsburgh. Um, you look like, I, I think back to a guy like Bujnevich, who's now with St. Louis, St. Louis Blues. He, um, he's a skilled guy that they kind of let walk. And, you know, they could have used some extra skill, especially going up, you know, against a more skilled team in Pittsburgh. And, uh, you know, those heavy guys aren't in their lineup. So it's obviously affecting them. Yeah, Bushnevich leaving was – I was kind of surprised at that. And to your point, you know, even get take a guy like uh, Barclay Goudreau, who's not playing right now, but um, I, I'm pretty sure he was on the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, last year, and if not the year before. And even though he played on the third line, was an integral part of their taking the cup, right? And so – you have guys like that to your to your point. Um, when they're not in the lineup, it's a it's a hole, not necessarily in offense or in skill, but in experience, in voice, and that can definitely uh, dismantle your playoff hopes. As I think that's you know kind of we're seeing the 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 effects of that. All right, so we got the Eastern Conference now. This is a little more interesting. No sweeps, close, but no sweeps. Um, so let's start with the biggest surprise. I would say the biggest surprise has, to, well, I don't know if it has to be, but, um, actually, you know what? Scratch that entire thing. Other than the Toronto Tampa series, none of these have gone the way I thought, to be honest. Right. Like Florida yeah. and Washington, would you, would any of anyone honestly guess that they'd be tied after four games? Nope. But, like I like Washington winning a game. Absolutely. But two, oh, I was watching the game the other day. Uh, I think it was the third period when it was tied uh, 1-1 going into the third. And you just watched Washington. And even though it seemed like they just kept rolling out the same two lines, they were just so dangerous. They were everywhere. And Ovi was just throwing the body. Like every, every corner, you knew you are going to get totally rocked 
by Ovechkin. And that's, that's a, I think it's a scary thing and something that Florida is just not simply, simply not used to, um, you know, playing that style. Yeah. That physicality, like there's a big difference between, you know, everyone ramping up their physicality in the playoffs and Florida just kind of buzzing around, uh, getting the power play chances and scoring like they did in the regular season. You know, they're still getting some power plays, but their offensive guys have kind of just gone cold. They're not zipping around the passes like they were in the regular season. And like you said, you know, Ovechkin, Wilson, I know he's, he's been out, um, which is a big loss for, for Washington. We'll see if he's going to get back in, but um, yeah, I, I don't think too many were picking Washington over Florida. So that's uh, definitely a big surprise. I'm personally, I'm happy to see it. I mean, yeah, Tom Wilson's not on the ice. Like you said, they're missing that, but his voice is, is hurt. You know, he's down there in the change room, just, you know, getting the guys going. But I think the biggest thing, and it's kind of amazing considering the firepower that Florida rolls out on their power play is that they are 0% on the power play through four games. They've had 13 opportunities and they haven't capitalized once. And you're the top team in the league. Like that is, that is disgraceful. Like that is totally, you know, that should never, ever happen. You should never let that happen. Not only in the regular season, but especially the playoffs. That's just embarrassing. 13, 0 for 13. Like, man, but what are you going to do? But it's tied 2-2. They had a close victory last night, winning 3-2 over in overtime. So, you know, we'll see. I'm still confident in that pick. I think they'll still come out on top. But clearly, Washington uh, is put being a tough opponent to be matched up against. Their, they still got a lot of pieces from their Stanley Cup team as well. Um, there's some key hold, you know, key pieces missing that they had for that run. But you know, they still have a lot of those those heavy hockey players that you know can play that playoff style. So the series is a lot closer than than I thought it would be. Yeah, you got your Lars Eller, your TJ Oshie, these guys. Backstrom seems to be back to, you know, the Backstrom we were kind of expecting. He was kind of gone all year, but found himself here in the playoffs. And uh, and just the entire mindset. Like, when you look at their blocks, like they're out blocking the Panthers by almost 30 across four games. That's a lot of opportunities that the Florida would have had to score. Every block shot is a potential scoring opportunity. So, uh, yeah, just the entire mindset is that championship pedigree, guys that know what they're doing, they know how to do it, and uh, they're sticking to what they know, and they're making Florida play their game. Um, that being said, it's best of three series, and if anyone can outscore their problems, it's Florida. Yeah. It's too deep, too deep. They got the, they got the home – that's the thing with, uh, with these teams that have gone to a best of three – for, for game five, six, seven, um, the home ice advantage, you know, I, I'm going to be interested to see if that makes, makes a difference. If, uh, you know, the road team can kind of come in and, and get that first victory, then, then that momentum shifts and they, they have a chance to win at home. Um, but if, uh, the home ice advantage is, is going to make a difference, it'll be interesting to see how all the, the results stack up at the end. Absolutely. All right. Now the game that I have silently on my TV TV right now, 
It's not looking good, man. It's not looking good. Uh, two nothing already. This is disgusting. But anyhow, what are you gonna do? Toronto, Tampa. Uh, again, talk about the theme of blowouts, back and forth. Only one shutout, game one, statement win for sure. Um, but Tampa not backing down, right? Seven three in the last game. Uh, they split their home and home. Uh, there's only a two goal different uh, differential between the two in favor of the Leafs, and uh, even their power plays seventeen percent, twenty two percent, really close. Um, there's no, there's nowhere. The only where the only area that I see that is an obvious difference between the two. Well, there's there's two and there's one for each side, so they kind of counter counterbalance each other. Is uh, Tampa across the four games has twenty more hits. But across those same four games, uh, the, the Leafs have almost 30 more blocks. And so, you know, they kind of counter each other out. And you, what you end up with is what we have, which is a very, very even series. That being said, I think tonight is definitely the uh, deciding factor. And if uh, Tampa can pull off the win tonight, it's going to be a hard arena to play in uh, back, back home in Tampa, Florida for the Leafs, that's for sure. Yeah, I think back to uh, when Tampa won their cup, or I think it was their the Which last, one? yeah, their <laughs> last cup. So they they could have won it in game, um, won it on the road, but you know whether or not they they chose to lose it, they just lost lost that game. They took took the game back home and and won the cup in front of their fans because the year before they didn't get that opportunity. So. I think Toronto has to put up a good solid second and, and third period here. Otherwise it's going to be tough to, to go back to Tampa and win, oh, win yeah. that game there. Yeah. Winning at home is always, uh, if you can put a team, you know, in elimination at home, man, that's uh, something you want to do for sure. Absolutely. All right. So moving on, cause I can't take it anymore. Uh, Carolina and Boston. Now this series after the first two games, I was I was so high on Carolina, man. I was like, this is fantastic to see. It's exactly what we talked about. I think we both talked about this being the series where you could possibly see a sweep. And it was like, oh, this is happening. This is happening. And then they go back to Boston. And all of a sudden, Marchand found his legs. Pasternak started scoring. And Swayman just started, you know, doing his thing. And all of a sudden, two games later, and we're tied up 2-2 going back to Carolina. Yeah, like Brad Marchand, you know, he's still still being a pest tripping out there on the ice, but you know, five point performance. He came up big when when his team needed him the most. He was still involved physically and in, uh, getting into the other team's skin, but you know, they needed that win to to get a chance to get back in the series, and and they tied it up two two. So that's uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of doubted those those guys, uh, the top dogs in in boston but they're showing they they have the experience and they have that extra year when it comes to playoff hockey that uh you know they can kind of take their game to that next level and shine in the big moments so we'll see if they can continue that in uh game five six and seven if it comes to that yeah it's gonna be a tough uh uphill battle um both teams are perfect at home 
zeros on the road. And so you have to, you know, naturally give the, give the advantage to Carolina in that way. Um, but a rough series, like the most combined penalties so far, 44 combined penalties so far across four games. So it's wow. 11, 11 power plays on average a game, right? That's a lot of time spent on the man advantage. So, you know, you think of guys like Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeon who do play both the power kill, their penalty or power play rather, and the penalty kill. That's a lot of extra time on some guys that uh, are definitely in the second half of their career. So as long as Carolina can keep up the pressure, you know what? I think I think obviously they'll they'll still continue on with uh, what we're kind of all expecting. But Boston sure made it a lot harder than I think we were expecting. That's for sure. Uh, and all right, finally, the Rangers and Penguins. I know we were talking before we uh, started recording here, but uh, what can I say, man? I just had that. You gut called feeling. it. I had you that called gut it. Feeling. feeling proud. Don't worry. The next one, I'll totally bosh the second round. But um, yeah, back to back seven goal games for three and four. Like Sid the Kid, you talked about in the last kick of the can in our last podcast. And they are showing that they are here, they are ready, and they are playing for keeps. You know, against another a young point. Rangers team. Sorry. Um, oh, another, no. another guy that has really came up big, Jake Ensel. Like that guy, man, he, he's just perfect winger for Crosby. And he doesn't think you might've mentioned it last podcast. He, you know, he's not a guy that does anything, anything big stands out about his game. He's not the fastest, doesn't have the best shot, you know, but just overall he compliments Crosby well. And, you know, he's another player for them has just come up big. And, you know, it's just the reason why one of the reasons why they have New York right on the ropes uh, with the three, one lead in the series. Yeah. And then the, on the other side, you have Brian Rust, who's not definitely not going away. He had a couple almost goals, some nice, excuse me, some nice tips. But uh, I was kind of wondering, I was thinking about, you know, what kind of changed the tide? Because the first game, Pittsburgh Wigs, second game, Rangers come right back with a 5-2 win. But I think the addition, it's funny, but again, it goes back to your chemistry. It goes back to your, your lines, uh, your system. And when Jason Zucker came back from the injury, I think that really re- calibrated the Pittsburgh Penguins into the lines that they want to roll out. And once they started doing that, everything kind of clicked. And that's when you had seven, four, seven, two, right. And just showing, even though they're on their third string goalie, <laughs> Louis, Louis Domingue, good old Louis. Um, he's no uh, stranger to the playoffs, right. He's been there before with plenty of other teams, most notably with um, Tampa Bay lightning. You know, play, he played backup for a few years there behind uh, Vasilevsky. And so he knows what he's doing. And so how many teams can honestly say that their third stringer is an NHL caliber goalie? Granted, backup, but still an NHL caliber caliber goalie. And I think the Rangers and Shesterkin, like I know you had Shesterkin on your t- in your team there in the regular season, but like what happened? <laughs> like he's bounced in two games, man. I know. Back to back. I was just looking that up. Two games he's got uh, pulled for Gorgiev. So I I thought he would be key. And I think it really shows that during the regular season, um, you know, he, he carried them on his back. He's played a lot of hockey. He played a lot of games for them. And it's just very hard to keep that level of play, 
especially for that position, goaltending uh, throughout the playoffs. There's a few goalies that that have done it, and they they continue to do it. Um, you know, stand stand up in the biggest moments. Um, but I think it goes to uh, New York's defense. I think their players have kind of lacked that extra gear. You know, Panarin, Zabinajad, some of their star players haven't uh, you know really stepped up. They've kind of looked a little bit not disinterested, but they don't give that little extra second effort needed to win those puck battles or to make that, that extra play. And, you know, it might just be the Penguins being just the veterans that they are. And they just, they just know the plays that they got to make the, the extra effort they got to put forth to, to win. And, you know, they're making, making you look, Smart, that's for sure. Yeah, they're me. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll take it while I can. But uh, that's Sid gets Sid the kid, though, right? Like we all know, when it comes to playoff time, Sidney he finds a whole other level, and you see him out there, and he's chirping, he's throwing the body, he's getting in the way of the puck, he's making tips, and it just it just goes to show his hunger, despite the fact that he is a champion and he has nothing left to prove. If Sidney Crosby retired right now. He would all he would he would make the he'd be in the Hall of Fame. Like there's no question. Everyone knows that. But he's still so hungry. He's knocking down without a fight. And against this young Rangers team, he's just picking them apart. Like I was like I was watching game four. And not just him, but like all of them. He had Lafreniere try to, you know, take it up the center and he just got shut down, you know. And then it goes back. And then Capo Caco, he's like count up the count up the wing, and they're just keeping him to the outside, keeping him to the outside. And nothing really comes of it, you know, it ends up being a dump or, you know, a pass around the boards that's intercepted. And so you just see the, the IQ, the hockey IQ of the Pittsburgh Penguins really shining. And like you said, the first, the regular season's over, it's the playoffs now. And you got to find a, a different level when you're in the playoffs. Yeah. Did you see that play with uh, Crosby behind the net and he was just oh. protecting the cup or protecting the puck and he just kept skating back and forth using his, you know, he's always known for strong lower body and just protecting that puck and he couldn't get it off on there. It's just like, that's, that's vintage Crosby. That's what you, you remember seeing of him. Like single-handedly just killing the clock. Mm-hmm. Like you're up, you know, a couple goals and you're just killing the clock and all you're doing is frustrating your opponent because all they want is the puck and they can't touch it. And like, man, that would be, that'd be so frustrating. That'd be so frustrating. But uh, that's that's what you have. That's what you that's what you get when you're up against uh, former champs like the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right, another new segment in your favorite fantasy hockey podcast. What the H? We're gonna call this one very simply Eric's thoughts. So Eric. Take it away, man. Give me your, your thought for the day. My thought for the day. Okay. Well, Corey, I know you can relate to this one as we used to live in the same building. Okay. Would you rather not be able to flush the toilet for a week <laughs> or have to take a cold shower for a month. Oh, where do you come up with this stuff? So not uh, flush I'll, the I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly where I came up with it. 
So this right. morning we go to turn on our taps. Uh-huh. Our, no, sorry. This was, I think, last Saturday. We go to turn on our taps to wash our face in the morning. No water comes out. It just comes sputtering out. Same thing with the shower. So we had no water for, for two days, or I think it was just for a day. And then it was, you know, all the time we have, sometimes it's no hot water. So then you have to have that cold shower this morning. You know, I use the bathroom. Do not flush it. Exactly. Not. Exactly. Shane oh was God. not too happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> I was off to work and she was uh, stuck, stuck to deal with that for the rest of the day. So, oh, oh, poor Charmaine. Um, so not flushing your toilet for a week or cold showers for a month. That is tough, but um, going on, uh, yeah, I think I'll take the cold showers for a month. Even my own wife is looking at me and she's like, I don't want to see not being able to flush <laughs> for a week. That's not cool. That's not happening, man. Oh, that's brutal. Gotta love, gotta love Crown Hill. Anyone yeah, love who knows the Crown Hill in Etobicoke? Um, special place, <laughs> special place. You can relate. You gotta. You go through those decisions from time we to just, time here. We did just hear about the uh, the guy that moved out on the in the basement. Did you hear about his place? Oh yeah. Oh, this was that, that was disgusting. We were talking to uh, someone else who lives in the building, buddy of ours, Lucas, and he was telling us uh, three feet of cobwebs from the ceiling down, like just solid. They had to take cut through it like a like a force, like with a machete. It was so thick. And then there was black sludge, six inches of black sludge in the bottom of the tub and in the toilet. So I'll do you one better. How did you feel about never, ever being able to use the toilet or have a shower? Because <laughs> everything is just so... Man, wrecked. how did we not smell that guy? Oh, I have no clue. And, this, and the smoke, the cigarette smoke apparently just like turned everything yellow. Like everything was yellow in the apartment. And uh, he ran into the, the, the owner of the building... I'll leave his name out of it, but, um, and asked him, you know, how to, how to go, how to look. And as you know, there was a hoarder about a year or two ago who, who finally got evicted after a long battle. Um, and even with that, with that move out, the owner of the building still said that this was by far the worst tenant, you know, moving out and having to go in and, and fix the place that he's ever seen. And he's owned, and I think his dad owned this building. So the building's been the family for, you know, decades, and this is the worst they'd ever seen. I'm like, that's just, that's just disgusting. Like, I don't know how some people. Live you need there. your hazmat suit to clean up that. I, uh, I don't think. So, how about would you rather clean that, <laughs> or go without flushing your toilet for a month? Uh, I'd go without flushing the toilet for a month. <laughs> I think that's just. I that. agree. I, I could not deal with that. I think. Yeah, I can keep my stomach down if I have to even walk into that place. Never mind clean out that bathtub or, or toilet or like where do you even start? Walls. Yeah. Like where do you even start? But anyways, don't want to disgust anyone out, but uh, gotta love Crown Hill. So the second, the second more hockey related thought of the day. All right, hit me. So obviously, as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Oh, man. You have not seen them win the cup. 
No, I have not. Not even uh, win a playoff round in recent years. As an Oilers fan. I I remember them winning playoff rounds, okay? I I, I, (laughs) I do remember that. In your your little Toronto Maple Leafs PJs. (laughs) You have to go a while back for that. Um, As an Oilers fan, it's the same thing. I've, I've never seen them hoist that cup. So would you rather see your team make it to the finals you know you think back to like a team like detroit like those dynasties every year they're in the playoffs had you know pretty solid runs won the cup um would you rather see your team make it to the finals or conference finals year after year let's say for the next five to ten years or see your team go all the way win the cup but then, you know, the completely blown up, rebuilding after that, never the same team, miss the playoffs, make the, you know, make the playoffs out first round. So you can, you can experience, you know, the height of seeing your team win, but then not see them in the playoffs much after that, or have that consistency of being able to watch that super entertaining hockey when it comes to the playoffs year after year but they never reached that final goal. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think after watching the Raptors win the title a few years back, and after the Saint, they kind of went through the whole explosion. They've kept key elements, Siakam and and Freddie, and uh, you know they added Scotty Barnes. And as exciting as the team is to watch. I still would take the championship, the one championship in five to 10 years. If you're talking 15 to 20, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could do that. I think that's too long of a drought, you know, as a least fan <laughs> talking about too long of a drought. But uh, if, if you're talking the five to 10 year range, then yeah, I'll take the championship and I'll rebuild because that's the championship. No one can take that away from you. You have, yeah. it's yours. You have it. What about you? What do you think? What would you take? I personally love just watching the Oilers when, when those big games, like they had one run in 2016, they made it, uh, I think the second or third round. And like that for me was just like, you, you get hyped for those goals when they score. And I know the ultimate goal is the Stanley cup, but for me, I'd rather have a team in Edmonton that is entertaining to watch when it comes to playoffs that, you know, isn't going to be out the first round when they lose a couple games. You don't like, there's not a fear that, Oh, these guys are out of it. Um, I think I would rather go for that team that, you know, year after year can make it to that West conference final, make it to the Stanley cup final. Cause for me, it's about prolonging the entertainment as opposed to, uh, you know, just winning it once and then not having too great of a chance for, for 10 years. Well, I think I think a lot of people would agree would agree with you. I mean, I think the uh, Vegas Golden Knights are a prime example of that. You know, get, making it far every year, it builds a fan base and it builds excitement. Um, so maybe maybe there's something to that. But I know for myself, like just to see them once, like the Red Sox. You know, as we're not close to eighty years, but we're we're creeping up there every year. It's getting a little bit closer, but. Um, yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. That was, that was, those were solid questions, man. I like that. Those are very solid. Would you take championship caliber team for five to 10 years 
or one championship team one year for five to 10 years. That's good. That's good. Well, I look forward to the next uh, edition of Eric's thoughts. Uh, just to give a little background, uh, Eric here, he loves giving uh, those random. He's the guy that when you're sitting there watching the game or you're out for dinner, you know, whenever there's a quiet moment, he's the guy that says, what would you do if, how about this? And so we thought, you know, this would be an entertaining uh, a segment to the podcast. So we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you, Eric. Thank you for those, those intriguing questions. We'll give that some thought and uh, look forward to the next, the next episode. I'll uh, have my notepad with me at all times on those thoughts. Pop into my head. I'll make sure I save them for the next podcast. Just make make sure when you write them down, you're 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 standing safely on the ground, not in your ladder, cleaning you know a third star window. Make sure you're, <laughs> you're you're stable back on the ground. All right. All right. Well, that concludes the second episode of your favorite fantasy hockey podcast what the h and we hope you enjoyed it uh we'll come back to you next week we'll wrap up the round one of the playoffs we'll see uh how things turned out and see uh once again compare our brackets and regardless of uh the results we'll redo some picks and see if uh, there's been anything that's caused us to change our minds in the meantime, uh, we hope everyone stays uh, safe, stays happy, and enjoy the, the second half of round one of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. You're listening to What the H, a fantasy hockey podcast.